This is Cultural Theories and Misunderstandings of a Madman. I am Samuel Kilhall and Hallball. Welcome to the cast. Okay. Miss Daydream I just had. It was... I'm watching for my third person perspective in the sense that I'm watching somebody else do this and all of a sudden also I'm also watching um, some other things happen I think this is considered what may be considered sort of a wet dream except it was it wasn't really a wet dream it was more of a sex dream uh yeah, sorry to anybody else that actually listened to me that knows this. Um, it ain't too much of that. It's more of like, huh, what? This makes no sense at all. Kind of thing. Um, <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. Scientist dude, or some kind of nerdy guy with glasses or whatever, makes an AI out of all of the different videos and different things said or text out or anything from Natasha Nanners and done this to a bunch of other YouTubers and all of these other things things made up kinds of different like profile AIs and stuff and all of a sudden out of nowhere one gets like like partially released and all of a sudden fever dream happens in this in the child the dream and it's all of a sudden things start fucking each other and and then all of a sudden it goes extra weird in a weird way where no one's fucking each other. It's just like all of a sudden people are running from place to place in the sense of like they're running from something. Because somebody something's going to catch them or something. And all of a sudden, I don't know where, it just stops. And you see something pop up from like what looks like a capsule cof- coffin or something similar to that. And all of a sudden... You see the scientist talking with the AI. It's sitting straight up. And all seems like, well, you're a closure. You're not the real thing. And he lays the per- thing down back inside, closes it up, pushes it underneath the desk. And the next thing you know, the scientist pulls up the screen all the things that were in the fever dream, inside the dream. And also the next thing you know, the next thing you know, uh, he, um, puts, um, Okay.
And then the next thing I know is like some kind of like a little gremlin or something like spark of weird fairy dust pixies or something. I don't know. I don't know where just just decide to help move some levers and stuff and all of a sudden everything goes fucking haywire. And then and I'm just sitting there. There's a fly on the wall kind of deal. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, a crap ton of YouTubers and like Carly from Eat, um, Extreme Eats or whatever. And a, uh, no, Epic Meal Time. Epic Meal Time. I can't, I should not get that wrong. Epic Meal Time and a bunch of other people. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just, it's just like one after another, one after another. And also, it's like they're like, and apparently, for some stupid reason, I become corporeal, and they're coming in with sledgehammers and a bunch of other things. And there's a lot of also, I'm like, wait, what? What's going on here? And it feels like, like I'm apparently one of the hybrid robots or something like that. All these things, and I'm like, reasoning with them, and it's like the biggest reasoning phrase that keeps. Popping out of the the thing's mouth, and all of a sudden coming back to a camera position, just watching the thing like a security camera, and and the thing that keeps getting repeated is like, do you want a court case or do you want, or you just want to smash? If you want to smash, go ahead. But if you want evidence for your court case, don't smash. Something like that, and in a very calm, kind of fearful manner. And all of a sudden they just like sort of turn away and da, 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 da. and then the next thing I know it's just it's like I'm following the person first per point of view and I walk in and all of a sudden there's a, a line of humans with not with with, with personas that are not in any uh, not safe for work stuff. But just, just, just the profiles for the the first owners in like profile mode and and just cute and also cool art and stuff. It's laid out like an artist alley table and stuff. Except there's nothing to sell. It's just the, just the profiles and stuff. And all of a sudden, I go down the aisle. I go down the place and I get to the last one. It, 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 uh... It's a pretty cool armored turtle. You know, armadillo. Armored turtle like the dinosaur kind of deal. And like... I was mesmerized by the detail and stuff. And I get down and I talk to the... I sit down and I talk to the person. And I, we start talking a little bit. And all of a sudden now I know where everybody gets handed a bunch of paper and all of a sudden a band comes in and they're starting to play some music and everybody's drawing the band people like it was in school or college or high school or something like draw the people in front and stuff and they're no one's naked it's just the band playing music and people were drawing them and other things and I'm like what and then next thing I know I look down at my dream phone and I know this is almost time to go, and 
in real life and for some reason it, it translates or something. It's like, oh, here's my number. And I write down my number and the pencil sort of breaks. And I'm like, oh, no. So I grab the pencil sharpener that happened to be right there too. Sharpen the pencil. And then write down the last numbers. I'm like, here, just, just call me or whatever. And I say, and the next thing I know, I wake up, I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, damn, it's actually almost time to go. And that's what happens. And I don't know what the fuck happened. But it, that's my fever dream. Not now. Daydream nap. Thing. That's what happened. That was the latest thing. I don't know how I'm going to transfer that anything to that to the to the green world, hall world, whatever, creative world that I was talking about, but there we go. There's something to put in there. Take take pieces from this and place it together in the world. Or just the whole story. As a short story, just plop it in the world somewhere. Anyway, I got to go to a family reunion and get groceries. And then, and then come back home, start cooking up a storm, and then, and after I cook up a storm, I'm gonna, let the things chill, package them up, put them in the refrigerator, and then play Destiny with my brothers if they're on today, if not, I'm probably just going to see if I can play Minecraft or something and watch at least one animate or something like that. Oh, well. That's what's happening today. Oh, update. Uh, the girl from Winston-Salem. We're going to go, try to go another day. Yay! Because she's finally got enough free time. And I have slightly enough free time and everything. And that's how things are going. Talk to you later. Rubicon Protocol. Spoilers for that book. I just got done listening to the 10 hour pod, uh, the 10 hour book, uh, Halo Rubicon Protocol. This is a book homaging to the exact kind of book that the book called Halo the Flood um, uh, did. In the sense that, um, and the reason I say homage is because this book has no Master Chief in it whatsoever. This is a this is a book about a lieutenant, a lieutenant pilot, a young medic, and two Spartans. And it's only the, sorry, three Spartans. 
and it's only their pers- perspectives. And I don't know why the fucking idiots in 343 bothered to not have it out this they literally I'm gonna have to go I'm gonna have to go back and replay Halo Infinite now like 100% all the way through it now because and take extra detailed look at the fucking audio logs fuck and I'm gonna have to take extra care now of reading the fucking bio screens. Fuck. I'm definitely gonna have to because Spoilers for the entire book. Spoilers for Halo Infinite. Fuck. And the people who do not understand what I'm saying, whatever I mention, is an homage to the the book uh, Halo of the Flood. The book Halo of the Flood depicts the exact events that are happening on Halo, the very first game. And I mean the very first game, Halo. I mean the 2001 Halo PC and console ports, the game, originally. With the original intentions and everything. In the sense of not the Master Chief Collection version whatsoever. I mean the original fucking game. Dark screens and everything. In the sense that this book, even though... Halo Reach set up the game. Halo The Flood literally has the entire game plus the extra backstories of what actually made Chief go to where he went. Besides of what was said inside of inside of the uh, in the game itself. Where Cortana, or Cortana says and stuff. In the sense of giving it extra details. And it doesn't tell you too much of what actually happens with Chief. It just tells you things that happened that led Chief to be in certain places and other things like that. And other things like that. Well, in this book, there's no sides of the Covenant side that ever happens. In the sense like how in other Halo books... There was the human side, and then there was the covenant side, or the alien side, in the sense of showing what the plight was on the alien side, also in the sense of how the battle was going, or how certain politics or other things were happening, and stuff like that. This book is purely only human side, and it is very trigger warning, very fucking trigger warning. If you are a veteran, of any war or a survivor of any war warning heavy trigger warning if you do not like body horror 
it's got some, but it doesn't go into extreme detail. It just goes into some detail. Warning for that. Fuck. Just This book sets up how much more fucking brutalish, ironic that the name is, but very terrifying how it actually is in the sense of how barbarically, horrifically stupid and fucking savagely nihilistic and warish the Jirahane are. And that's the brutes, if you don't know. They're the monkey apes that are seven to eight feet tall and care about nothing other than brute strength, firepower, and their own damn pride in a war. And getting as many kills as possible. That's literally all they fucking care about. They could care less about anything else. Especially since the piece of shit, arrogant Cortana fucking blew up their fucking homeworld in an act of rebellious thinking that she got up on Atriox. Not understanding that she just backs Atriox into a corner and released the extra brutal thing that could have happened. And instead... He, she could have allied with Atriox and would have actually been a better force. But no, the damn bitch just had to provoke the number one fucking bad guy in the fucking galaxy. Who fucking is the number one priority of why the Covenant was facing a two-fronted attack whenever Atriox was with him. Whenever the Covenant was fighting humans and the Banish. Fucking bitch. Fucking arrogant bitch. And if that fucking intrepid eye... Ascendant Pyre, that horrific fucking monitor. If that old shitty monitor would have been more fucking aggressive and not so damn fucking, quote, wise in my ears and always pondering about bullshit in the sense of just being a Buddhist monk about letting things happen on the ring and stuff. If that piece of shit would have just been more fucking aggressive whenever the brutes arrived at all, or same thing with Cortana, been more fucking aggressive when the brutes landed on fucking the rain, maybe they wouldn't be in this fucking thing. No. The fucking bitch was so both, both the main monitor of the fucking insulation and Cortana them being 
The mods are being a passive idiot of, because of the, so many fucking years. And Cortana, the fucking cocky bitch she is, not understanding. Hey, maybe take out the damn fleet first, you bitch. Not the fucking homeworld. Fucking moron. to mention fucking hell I'm extremely pissed at 343 for making up this scenario but extremely happy with them at the same time happy because they finally made a fucking good story in this one book and they should have put this in the fucking game in the sense of actual fucking logs to find but no these fucking moronic idiots in the sense of management positions do not know how to fucking do a managed position job in the sense they kept hiring only temporary work schedule of contracts for fucking six years, if not eight years, because Microsoft doesn't give a damn shit about their own fucking properties anymore because of the fucking assholes they are of not understanding what their own fan base is. Especially after the fucking blowback they did with the original launch of the Xbox One where everything went downhill from there. If the morons there would have learned their fucking lesson the first time, maybe we wouldn't be having this horrific fucking thing happen in the first place. And maybe these bullshit fucking management positions would learn their fucking lessons. Because these management positions in 343 and Microsoft do not understand the given explanation of, hey, fucking tell what detailed plan in the sense of what the fucking goals are. And if you don't meet them, say, hey, we couldn't meet it because of X bug or something. Don't lead us in the damn dark. Maybe you wouldn't be having such a sucking fucking drop off of your fucking community, you dumb bastards! Hey, fucking lawyers! Someone should smack the fuck out of you for once! Because maybe you're the fucking reason why everything's happening so badly! Between your fucking etiquette and try and your fucking marketing team not understanding what the how to actually do how to actually work a fucking game you guys are too fucking big fucking hell I understand the main actual grunt developers are just as pissed as the community is but it's their management positions that are the biggest problem Especially the ones that help take over it. Like the fucking Asian bitch that was supposed to prevent the bullshit that happened 
in a smear campaign of Master Chief's character in the TV series, which they never needed to use Chief to begin with. And it's blatantly obvious they didn't even need Chief in there to begin with. And clearly, it's that bitch and whoever is in Hollywood needs to fucking get a fucking hot rod up their fucking ass because they don't fucking understand anything in the fucking universe when it comes to creativity. Don't use the previous fucking logic every fucking time. Come up with something new or stick to the original script of the actual lore. You don't have to be exact canon. You don't have to be the exact dateline of the fucking timeline. Just keep in the fucking technology tree. You fucking assholes. Learn your technology better and maybe you'll tell a better story. And learn what the other guys have already done. In the sense, hey, there's a two major productions that kept the fucking helmet on on the main character and it actually worked tremendously. You fucking assholes, learn from your fucking competitors. And not to mention, your own fucking company actually did the same thing. And now, you just want to willy-nilly take shit off and do your own bullshit when it's not needed at all! You fucking morons! Okay, I went a little harsh on the, the, body, the body torture shit on, on the people. I'm sorry about that. I'm just heated because these morons still do not understand a lick about what it actually means to actually keep the main king points of what an actual story is versus what the actual core points of the appetition means. I do not care about fucking legality. If it's always about legality about this stuff versus the story... Okay, do new characters. Do new characters. Keep the same points, but change the character name. Easy fix. And if these morons and lawyers keep saying the blah, 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 ignore the shit out of them and just write your story the first time all the way through with a good plot. Ignore all regulations, you dumb morons! I could care less about what you're in, in fucking Heihachi say. Write a good script first time around and ignore all fucking higher ups. If your team has to keep fucking changing, imply this narrative multiple fucking times until the higher ups get get the fucking message and say, hey. Or fucking leak what the fucking higher-ups keep saying online multiple times, regardless of your fucking job, even though you... Because the fucking public will fucking back you up. But, eh, 
about 20% of the time. Which is a pretty good eye, considering the majority of the internet nowadays is run by 20% of the population now. I better go get my check. Talk to you guys in a little while. Okay, I've calmed down. Okay. Okay, this main book, Hello, the Rubicon, <clears throat> Rubicon Protocol. Okay, if you're wanting to know what Rubicon Protocol is, the actual protocol itself basically means all-out guerrilla warfare, fight with tooth, fight tooth and nail to the death, and bring the bastards down with you. <clears throat> it's basically what the protocol means. All rules are out of the window when it comes to engagements of war and all this other shit. Geneva Convention, blah 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 blah. <coughs> that's what rule. <coughs> that's what Rubicon Protocol means. It's basically asset denial to the nth degree with guerrilla warfare and everything like that. <coughs> Sorry, I just strained my voice with with that rant that you're going that you guys that you guys just heard. <sighs> anyway, the book starts out with the escape pods and the OST pods launching to the surface of the ring. Then, the next major event that happens is the ring getting split apart from an explosion. Also, the next thing that happens is the ring actually goes through slip space. At the same time, Some, with bringing some of the debris with it. <clears throat> Meaning, a good portion of the fleet of the uh, Banish, probably, along with the actual Infinity itself, are both somewhere unknown. Because we find out. <clears throat> you already technically find this out in the game. In game, you already find out that uh, the ship that you that you find near the beginning of Infinite when you go into open world section is not Infinity. It's just um, <clears throat> a. I think it's. Destroyer, a cruiser, or something like that. It was a perfectly intact ship, except it was just grounded and landed on the rink and used as a as an operating base for a couple fire teams out of during the first couple days and couple weeks or months out of of, um, out of the event on landing. 
hell breaks loose when one of the scouting parties uh, see that Eshram is sort of is just uh, going from place to place and it looked it looked to the scouting party or to and some of the other scouting parties it looked like the um, <clears throat> it looked like the clans were infighting and and it would be the perfect opportunity to take out Esher problem Spartans overestimated Eshram and poked the beast beehive and a hornet's nest they poked, they thought that they, what they poked was a honey beehive which would be slightly less threatening no, they poked a hole inside of a um, killer beehive, killer beehive or or you guys get the picture. Ashram sends an entire war battalion, like maybe a couple of battalions, tanks, aircraft, heavy, heavy, like uh, cavalry machinery, and all that. All the, all of it. Basically, all of his forces, if not a quarter of his forces, all to the the Rubicon. Um, the Rubicon, or Merciful Rubicon, or whatever the name of the ship was, to there to capture it, capture the location, and also to start digging in that area. And it all happens whenever it all either coincidentally or just starts to happen whenever uh, the humans poke, poke the bee's nest. And and stuff like that. Because we don't get we don't get the the war uh, the enemy side. We just get the human side in this book. Where we usually get both sides. This book is only ten hours long. We use a normal Halo book. Okay. The also that fight takes maybe last like three days, like two or three days, and everybody scatters. Fuck, I dropped my cinnamon. And Everybody scatters and everything out. And in the process of everybody retreating, the um, 
the uh, medic guy does the bravery thing in the, in the sense of hitchhiking, hitchhiking a ghost, not knowing how to fucking operate a ghost, and just slams it away enough, but doesn't know how to steer it or anything. He just quits, fumbles around, activates it, and gets it far enough away from his team's position that he crashes it into a tree and gets caught by the enemy. Is about to die. The atrium has <clears throat> Atriox, not Atriox, Eshram. Eshram wants to do this moralizing and keep his clansmen happy about torturing the enemy so they wouldn't infight. So he tells them that they have to capture the enemy as many humans as alive. That way he can both access Forerunner technology, keep his clansmen, the different clans entertained with the human captives, and also keep the fighting spirit alive in the sense of giving the humans that are still surviving hope enough to save their own comrades. <clears throat> All this is implied, not said. The only thing that's said is that Ashram wants the humans alive as much as me as possible so they can at least access foreign technology is the main thing. And really the only reason that's really given. And as soon as they get done activating enough technology or whatever missions or whatever, depending on whoever is the um captain person, like uh, whoever's the warden of the person at the time, depending on whatever mission the brutes the banished brutes have figured out or whatever. They um they just blatantly kill him. Or they take they, they back to the processing area, which is the, uh, the, the tower in the game. Which I am very disappointed at when it comes to whenever you're fighting the tower. In the game.
and there's one Spartan. There's alone is is actually alone by himself with no human contact whatsoever after day two. And that's Horn. Spartan Horn. I think that's his name anyway. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. He is running his own mission and everything to see if he can get back to the rest of the UNSC guys as much as possible. And everything like that. Eventually, if you haven't played the game enough or you haven't listened to the audio logs enough, eventually you figure out who's who in the sense of who's in the audio log because you listen to, who's in who's whose audio logs you're listening to, and who's um. Spartan, which Spartan you take their gear from in the sense of um, the dead ones that are left. Whenever the Master Chief uh, comes around. You figure out, because the first Spartan you, first Spartan by you come across is stone. And you come across the, that carnage. You also, and then after that, what's the, what's the next Spartan? I think the next Spartan you come across, I think, is Griffin's body? If it's not Griffin's body, it's, it's uh, another Spartan, I can't remember. I'm going to have to go back and look at details or something, because the main guy that I would have, <clears throat> I would relay this information with you guys about and stuff, which is Halo Cannon, who would do this kind of deep analysis that I just slightly told you. He has decided to take a break because his mental health and his 
personal life is gone so haywire that he has to take a break from YouTube. And I don't blame him. I hope he does good. And then afterward, anyway, I hope the guy, I hope Halo can find himself, find that they themselves, themselves with better happiness and better peace of mind and a good job. Because he will be missed, in my opinion. Maybe not so much to others. But, in my, in my opinion, he will be missed. Because him and... Him and... Installation zero zero are the only two guys that do a actually very good, hardly biased review and storyline aspects in the sense of timeline of where things are at, objectively, and stuff. At least in their videos. And now, it's gonna fall on top of it. Halo Infinite uh, falls upon the other Halo channels, like Installation Zero Zero, to get things in a stored timeline. And stuff like that. But other than that, the book was pretty good. Had some great battle scenes. Had some great, so had some sober, sober moments and some decent hit, uh, levity in some situations when it needed it. But overall, I give it a 4.5 out of 5 stars of Good Book.